Welcome to episode number two of the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kate Fresh. First off, I'd like to thank everybody for a successful launch of the first episode. I got a lot more plays than I thought I would, a lot of feedback, a lot of chatter around the city. Thanks for everybody who shared it on their social medias. Thanks for just the listens. I was very overwhelmed. It was crazy. So we're just going to keep it moving. Uh, this week's guest is the band One Eye Doll. The two members of the band, Junior and Kimberly Freeman, uh, I was able to talk with them over the phone uh, before they came into town to do a show at the Token Lounge in Westland, Michigan. And they were just so fucking wonderful to talk to. And their show was really kick-ass. There was props. It was just fun. They really truly give a fuck about their fans. You know, even Kimberly, you know, stayed afterwards to talk to anybody that wanted to stick around and talk to her, meet her, take pictures, get autographs. It was just, you know, cool as shit, you know. They got a new album out. It's called uh, Witches. And before we get into the interview, I'm going to go ahead and play a song from the album, uh, my favorite song. And we're going to talk about the actual making of the album and this song in particular. The song is called A Rope for Mary, so uh, let's go ahead and play the song and get into the interview.
Nice to meet y'all. We appreciate you doing the interview. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I um, yeah, I came across the actually the um, publicist uh, hit me up recently and gave a listen to the Witches album. I'm like, this is pretty pretty dope album, man. And I've been listening to it a lot lately. Oh my gosh! Thank you very much. What's the, do you have a favorite song so far? What I like is, let me see, I think the my favorite off the is um, A Rope for Mary. Oh, nice. Thank you. You know, that was the, uh, that was the song that started the whole album. Okay, I, cool. I, wasn't, I, I guess I should probably save it for the interview, huh? <laughs> oh, no, that's <laughs> not, that was a great, that was a great segue into the interview, actually, you know, um. Um, this Witches album is a concept album. How did that come, all come about? Uh, well, actually, now that you mention it, <laughs> uh, I came across the story of uh, a lady who lived in the late, teen, the late 1600s in Salem, um, whose name was Mary Estee. And she was one of the people who was executed for witchcraft during the Salem witchcraft hysteria of 1692. And, um, you know, her story just inspired me to write a song, and that song was The Rope for Mary. And uh, I, I kept reading about her and doing more and more research um, about the events surrounding her death. And... I, I learned a lot about the Salem witchcraft hysteria, and the more I read, the more I wrote, and I was just—I was just really interested in 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 what went on, all the different the characters of the story, the, the executed people, the townsfolk who were just losing their minds, the children who started the whole thing. Um, and so I just kept writing, and, and the next thing you knew, I had the whole Witches album, you know, totally written. And a little bit previous to this, uh, Jason and I had finished the tour and were uh, camped out in the Redwood in our tour bus. Okay. <laughs> and playing acoustic instruments in the woods. And, um, you know, most of the music came from that time of us just jamming in the woods and then uh, we put it together with these lyrics um, and melodies that I wrote about the Salem witchcraft hysteria starting with a rope for Mary and boom concept album <laughs> it was just it was really fluid it was like writing one song really great how did you go about you know piecing that music and those lyrics together to create like this story uh, throughout the album uh, maybe that's a producer question. <laughs> well, uh, we um, basically the story goes that a lot of the the music started out um, in the redwoods. We we li basically we're living in our tour bus between tours, um, and we decided uh, to park in the redwoods just outside of Santa Cruz, California, and it's a really magical place. And um, you know, Kimberly was playing a lot of banjo at the time, and I had just bought a mandolin. Right, and, and we were both raised mostly in the Pacific Northwest, so, um, you know, we both have a, a deep connection to that part of the country and to the Redwoods. Yeah, I, I actually spent um, every summer at this 
uh, kind of summer camp out there in the redwoods. So it's it's really magical, you know, just, just going out there and 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 being underneath these trees that you just can't see the top of. They're so massive, you know. They're like big enough that you can make a, a tunnel and drive a car through them, you know. Um, so we had written a lot of just the music tracks out there with, with acoustic instruments, almost like bluegrass style. And uh, and we just recorded just instrumental tracks. We recorded them on our phone. We got a cool idea. So we would just, you know, yeah. kind of put the idea down. Um, and then when we when she started writing the lyrics to the music, um, you know, the, the, the lyrics about the Salem Witchcraft Hysteria, um, you know, we were kind of, uh, we were in a different place. We were in a, a rehearsal studio where we had drums and, and loud guitar and all that stuff that we could totally rock out. So Yeah, and they were letting us live in their parking lot. And so we were parked <laughs> out in their parking lot next to a junkyard. Okay. So it was a, a, a complete contrast from, from where the music was written. Um, and then the, the lyrics were then written. <laughs> with different scenery. Yeah, so you can really hear that in the album, I think. I mean, there's this kind of, uh, you know, back and forth between the, the acoustic kind of forest vibe and the, you know, just kind of metal rock vibe. So, um, you know, she literally wrote these songs over the course of about three days. And so when when we went to record it, it, it was more like just recording one long song, like a 45-minute song. And... Um, you know, I don't know if, if you're aware of the, the process of recording, you know, uh, usually you record a song on a separate project. It's like a, you know, right. you, you go to your computer and you make a song and it's in a separate project. For this album, we actually recorded the whole thing in a single project. So um, you'll hear all the transitions between the songs. Uh, you know, it was all, there wasn't any editing to do that. It just literally we recorded it from beginning to end all as a single piece. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I was gonna uh, ask you about, you know, how did you come up with laying down that 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 soundscape that came that was on this album? You know, you're varying from the metal to the bluesy rock to the folk. You know, um, so that's very interesting that you just did it all kind of like all at once. Yeah, and and what, the really cool part about that was that you were able to, do, um, if you listen to the album, you'll notice that sometimes. There's a vocal melody that is the same as a guitar part that's on a different part of the album, or there's a, a solo that, that references the vocal melody, or, you know, um, basically throughout the album, there's a lot of examples where we kind of took a part from one song and made a, a different part out of it, and that was really fun, I think. Right, and I think that um, it, it gives the, the album unity, you know, um, and it helps to tell the story. Because it's, um, you know, it's it's sonically representing itself in different parts, um, but then also emotionally. You know, it'll. Uh, I I kind of hope that when you hear um, a melody from earlier in the album later on, with different instruments, maybe in a different key, in a different part of the album, it will. Uh, you'll. It'll cause you to uh, remember uh, what was going on earlier, kind of. It's a reference, um, and it's a clue that, you know, what I'm talking about here is kind of what I'm talking about here, but maybe from a different perspective. Right. So um, it's really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, we really enjoyed uh, It was a treat to make. Um, it was just really uh, natural and, and organic. 
and um, and we really did this one for ourselves. We had been touring so hard and and working a lot, and um, we just really needed to to make some nice music that that we really loved. The way that we wanted to make it, it's not you know we didn't we didn't make it to be marketable. Right. Um, we didn't we didn't make it to sell to other people. It's uh, it, it is what it is, and and we were just. You know, we always hope that what we do will be well received, but we didn't really expect it to be <laughs> this time. Um, but it really has been. It has been well received, and, and I'm grateful for that. That's great. Um, yeah, this, this, the whole topic of the uh, the, Salem, the Salem witches is, you know, it's always long been a subject of many movies and TV shows. And um, earlier, you said that. Um, you just caught on to the story somewhere. Was there a particular movie or TV show or book that where you found the story yet? Uh, no, it was the internet. Thank you, internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just cruising on the internet? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it, how it happened, but I ended up on a research article on Marietti, and uh, and then you know that led me to another, and then that led me to another, and then that led me to a university website, and then that led me to. Um, the scans of the court documents and you know it just it went on and on you know how it happens yeah <laughs> it's like Did, the youtube spiral that happens yeah that wormhole like that with, <laughs> with research materials but um i actually um i actually uh wrote all the lyrics out on a certain page of our website and uh, included the research links, some of the research links that I used. It's funny because, you know, a good way into writing the album, I realized that I should be saving all of these links and references because other people might be interested in them. So I started saving them at a certain point. So it's not a complete, uh, you know, bibliography, but it's there. Um, right. This story being told on this album, uh, what perspective is it being told? Uh, actually, it's, it's from a lot of different perspectives. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because it started out from uh, the ghost of Mary Espy. It started out from her perspective. She's looking back on her life and what happened and... Um, but but as I kept writing, I, I I kind of started using different perspectives. So some some songs like Witch Hunt are from the frightened villagers' perspective. Okay. Just the townsfolk, the people who were uh, killing their neighbors <laughs> out of fear, and. Um, you know, one song, the, the song begins with uh, Ember, or the album begins with Ember, which is a song from the afflicted girl's perspective. Um, basically, there are these young girls uh, who <clears throat> who started the whole thing. They, they started acting out and having fit um, much, you know, which, which looked like possession. Um, and they were accusing people in the town of uh, afflicting them with their witchcraft, and that's how this whole thing started. So the first song is 
those girls. And they're acting out and they're describing what they're going through. Um, so that's Ember. And then, you know, prayer is is from the town folk at church, you know. And um, there was a, a preacher in that town, Santa Paris, who was he was just an awful person obviously and he he was a fear monger yeah and he scared people into being absolutely insane um and the way that the puritanism was it's an extremist religion um and and it's basically people were so scared of going to hell and they were so scared of satan sneaking up on them and taking their children and they had to punish themselves constantly, and they had to live in piety. And they, um, you know, kids couldn't even really play with toys, and you couldn't sing, and you couldn't dance, and it was just a very oppressive religion. Um, and uh, you know, and that's that's what prayer is about: is is it, um, the progress of of people's uh, piety and fear turning into murderous intentions. Right. It's all in the name of God. It's always in the name of God. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then and then there were uh, different characters in the story whose who perspectives um, the song took on. The Ghost of Gallows Hill is, is from the perspective of several people who were executed. Um, More Weight is from the perspective of the people who... Um, crushed a man um, who was accused of witchcraft. They crushed him with stone. And, um, you know, this guy's story is pretty cool. His, his last words were more weight. Oh. And, um, yeah, that was, it, you'll, I'll, uh, I'll send, when you get the link, uh, look up Giles Corey. Uh, that was him. He was, he was one of the many people who were Brutally murdered. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, there are a lot of different perspectives. It's not just from one. I, I, I kind of wanted to have a um, have a broad uh, storytelling session with this, so it skips around a little bit. Do you ever? Um, you know how in, in uh, I don't know if this happens with you, but in dreams, yeah, I often will skip around to different people's perspectives. That does kind of happen to me know. sometimes, and it just it confuses the shit out of me. And then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at one moment you're you, um, but maybe you're somebody else, and then at the next moment you're you're somebody else, you know, that that is involved in the story plot. And then you might be a bird, or uh, you know, I I do this thing where I skip around a lot in my dreams, yeah. different perspectives, and so I feel like I can kind of see more of the story that way <laughs> right um it's kind of like that i guess no i understand that was a long time, but i'm so sorry you can <laughs> feel free to edit me down as much as you want <laughs> <laughs> it's all good it's all good um kind of moving to the you know the band itself uh the whole one-eyed doll thing um you know have it Definitely have a unique look and sound. Is that a, more of an extension or exaggeration in any way to your real life personalities? Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of what what comes out naturally when we perform, I guess. Yeah, we don't put a, a huge amount of thought into uh, 
you know, what we're going to do. We, we, we'll go around and shop at some costume shops or, or you know, thrift stores or, yeah, whatever, and, and try to come up with, uh, you know, cool props and costumes for the stage, and we just have fun, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of us expressing, you know, what we're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I do notice that, uh, you know, through a lot of the pictures I see online, uh, guys are wearing a lot of different, you know, types of, you know, costumes and clothing, you know, depending on a lot of your different shows, you know. Yeah, just whatever we're feeling like at the time. <laughs> Nothing really more, more complex what, than that. Yeah, well, it's better than having a job where you can dress up. You know, it's like, uh, I, I used to have an office job and they'd be like, oh, on Friday you can, you can wear jeans, you know. But yeah. it's like that every day. You know? It's like, you can wear whatever we want. You know? Hawaiian shirt Fridays or whatever. Yeah, right. But so might as well, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of whatever the mood is is what we're doing at any given time. <laughs> but you do... Not a lot of thought goes into it. Right. But you do uh, have, you know, a bit of like a, you know, sort of a dark, comical sort of, you know, look going on. Um, you know, where does that come from? Um, well, I... From our black heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it comes from, you know, my, a lot of my influence as a performer, I think, comes from my grandpa, Bernie Jones, my adopted grandpa, um, who was a performer all his life. He was very, uh, he was a professional musician, and uh, he performed vaudeville and burlesque and polka and um, kind of some punk rock stuff for his day. Uh, he was a member of the Spike Jones troupe. Yeah. Um, which it was very experimental. Um, they did all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and and he his, his was one of the first things I ever saw as, as a kid that I would consider performances at a house party. Um, I don't really remember where I was. I was probably in California. Uh, he lived in Hollywood all his life. But I was at this house party, and and he he did just a little performance. Yeah. Right there in the living room, he just he put on a hat, this particular hat, and he became this character called Olis Benson, <laughs> with a perfect Swedish accent, and he told jokes. And he sang, and he danced, and he played instruments, and he got everyone to sing along. And he was just a big clown, and it was very intelligent um, and a little dark. And, and I think that that probably stuck with me, and I didn't even realize until much later that I was really emulating him. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I started, when I started playing music, it was, it was a little bit of a dedication to him. And then when... When I named the band One Eye Doll, it was in reference to him. He had one eye. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was he was fabulous. And I think, you know, looking back, I, I think that that's probably a lot of, of influence, uh, both, you know, visually and uh, energetically. Uh, I, I think that's probably where a lot of it comes from. Yeah, I like that. And, I like... You know, I also I lived in China okay. before I started the band, and so I think that there's a little bit of Asian influence there. 
but uh, those two things probably mixed together to create whatever it is that we got <laughs> going on. Right. Yeah, I kind of yeah, I love that idea of almost building a character within yourself as almost like a vessel to, you know, kind of spout some things going on inside of you, artistically or whatever. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's kind of my my social commentary, I guess, and uh, inner dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Some people can paint or uh, or whatever, and I I just write, I guess. As as being as being a woman like in a kind of male dominated rock industry, do you ever feel any sort of just weirdness or pressures or anything from that standpoint? Yeah, um, you know, I think if you talk to any girl, we we all get that and whatever career we're pursuing <laughs> but yeah I do you know there have been some kind of uh, difficult times with that but you know they're also in contrast there are also great things that come with being a girl in a in a mainly male uh, field uh, so, you know, you take the good with the bad and, and make the most of it. Right, right. How did, how did the, um, the one Eye doll project originally come about? I know you, uh, you know, mentioned where you got the name, but how did you guys kind of come together? Uh, well, I, I had, um, you know, when I started playing music, uh, I was, I was just a singer songwriter girl with an acoustic guitar playing it whatever uh space would have me <laughs> i did a lot of um in the very very beginning i was i was playing on street corners and in um there was a couple there were a couple of soup kitchens okay that would have me um and uh and then i i kind of worked my way into open mic nights and coffee shops and a couple of bars uh, in Jean, Oregon, and uh, just kind of playing wherever I could, and then uh, I started a band shortly after that, um, and <laughs> because of my time playing at the soup kitchens and all that, I had a nickname. Um, the people in line at the soup kitchen, there were a lot of homeless people up there, they would say, uh, Ah, uh, here comes the princess of the ghetto. Come to play us a song. <laughs> you know, they would they would sing along. Sometimes I'd have you know like a like a barbershop quartet style <laughs> thing where these <laughs> these these uh, homeless people all be singing along and right. it was really cute. And um, you know, we'd all have a really good time in line for our soup. And uh, <laughs> um. So I called the band Ghetto Princess, and uh, that started out over in Eugene, and, and we basically ended up in Austin, Texas uh, on our first tour, which was just really punk rock, really, uh, <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we ended up in Austin uh, over the course of recording 
our first album, which happened to be at Jason's studio. And he was a, uh, he had a studio in Austin when we met. I lost all my band members before the album came out. And uh, by the time the album came out, I rededicated the band. I called it One-Eyed Doll. We released the album as I released the album under the band name One-Eyed Doll. And it was a fresh start. Like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to be... I'm not the princess of the ghetto anymore. I'm moving forward. I'm going to try to make Bernie proud. Grandpa Bernie. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to do this as well as I can and um, not not live in the past and, and just keep moving forward. And it was kind of, and that's what that was. And then over, you know, <clears throat> over the next few years, I, I kept going back to Jason's studio to record. And we had several albums together, uh, solo albums and When I Doll albums both. And then eventually he joined the band and, uh, you know, we've just been gung-ho ever since and just been working really hard and touring nearly nonstop. Uh, so it's been, it's been really good. And, you know, he's been my longest-standing band member. There have been a lot of people coming and going. And, um, you know, the band started out as a three-piece band, and then it was a four-piece band. Yeah. We were actually a four-piece band for a while. And then it was back to a three-piece, and then it was a two-piece, and then it was a one-piece, <laughs> and then it was a three-piece again. And, you know, there have been a lot of lineup changes over the years. But, um, you know, and the reason that, that we started doing a two-piece lineup was because I lost two members at once. Right. I was like, man, we, ha- we have shows that are booked. We're not canceling the shows. We have to play the shows. And so my drummer and I just jammed out some stuff that sounded cool as a two-piece and we're like well we'll just get by with this and and get through it and and at first it was really scary you know I, I felt naked on stage almost yeah just you know providing all of the melody myself and I just you know I didn't know what I was doing yet I could hardly really play guitar that well and um but I wrote the riffs to be kind of chunky and uh and to sound good with just just the drummer and me. Yeah. And um. And I set up so the first several shows that we played as a two piece, I set up cardboard cutouts of the former members of my band <laughs> and, set, and set little fake instruments in front of them, and uh, would would talk to them and blame them for messing up and um. So I, I had someone to interact with on stage. <laughs> and, um, you know, I used them so much that they, they fell into pieces. And, <laughs> and then it was it was just the drummer and me left. And I eventually got really comfortable with the two-piece lineup. And I wrote more and more music that sounded good with two people. And, um, and that's mostly what we play live is the music that I wrote for that purpose. Right. And, you know, I know over the years since then, we've had different lineups. And, you know, sometimes we'll bring a friend on tour. Sometimes we'll have guests play with us. But 
the core is Jason and me, and I think it's a really solid core, and it's really fun, and I kind of like the minimal thing. Right. It's not what I set out to do, but it just it worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, it just happened. Yeah, it's really it's great fun. that with yeah, it's really great that with such a a minimal lineup, you're still able to do such a maximal sound. Oh, thank you. I blame Jason for that. <laughs> He's responsible, I think. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I feel like uh, Kim writes riffs that are that are almost like bass lines. Yeah. So, but they have the the you know she's playing it with a guitar and we have and she tunes down her guitar you know a little bit so it's got that low end and. Um, we're using these Black Star amps that are uh, really good with, you know, just making a really huge sound. So um, I think, you know, we can pull it off. And, um, you know, my guitar, too. I have, you know, back uh, in the day, I used to get just whatever cheapest pawn shop guitar I could find and uh, modify it myself. Right. <laughs> I, would, I would stick uh, magnets behind the pickups and stuff in order to get a bigger uh, tone out of the cheap equipment that I was using. Right. And now I have a signature guitar, and and it's made to my specifications, and it sounds the way that I want it to sound, and um, and it's, it's awesome. It's made by Tragen. Uh, T-R-E-G-A-N trading guitars and uh, so you know that and you know we're with Seymour Duncan pickups I have my Invader um, and the Black Star amps and it's just kind of a uh, you know and and we have we're with Theodario strings now so I have this awesome combination of things that (laughs) I used to really have to piece together um, uh, with with modifications on, on a zero budget. So I feel really blessed with that now. Um, it's 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 really cool. I I never uh, I never imagined I would be so lucky. But I think a lot of our sound comes from you know the awesome equipment that we get to use. Too. Right. Yeah, that was something that I really noticed on Witches was, um, like Jason just said, um, those riffs, they kind of sound very baseline-esque, you know? That was something that really stuck out. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I do. I didn't never really thought of it that way, but I guess I do kind of play the guitar more like a bass. <laughs> I, just, I guess that's just how I can't. You know, I play very uh, simplistically, and I, I don't... You know, I don't do a lot of noodling or anything like that. I'm really more riffy. I'm right. more of a riffy person. Um, and, uh, you know, on the albums, obviously, we do uh, we do record in bass and uh, lots of other instruments, keys. And actually, on, on Witches, you hear a lot of violin, right? Right. That, that's Damien's soul. Damien S.O.L. So he's he's our buddy who lives in the Bay Area. Who uh, he's actually our light guy for for the witches tour. No, uh, the one uh, before that. Yeah, we, we went out with, uh, with Psycho Stick. It was it was the tour before that. Okay. Um, he was our our light guy, so he was lighting up the stage every night. But he is 
a very accomplished violinist. Uh, he's been playing since he was like three, and he, he's a prodigy. Um, and so we had him come over and lay down all of the strings on the album. It was beautiful. I love his style. Uh, whenever I hear those strings come in, I can just see him playing. It's great. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about this tour that you're about to embark on. Uh, what's a you know what's a one-eyed doll show like? Um. Well, uh, are you going to come to our Detroit show? You're in the Detroit area, right? Yes. Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, well, we're going to be uh, in the area at the Token Lounge on September 29th. Yeah. Um. So you can come for yourself and see what a one-eyed doll show is like. But, um, you know, it's hard for us to describe what it's like. You know, we just have a lot of fun. And... You know, live, we play as a, a two-piece, usually. There might be uh, some, some surprises. And, uh, you know, uh, normally our show is, is a two-piece show. Sometimes we have a friend come play with us, a friend or two, if we, if we feel like it. Um, we have... Uh, we, we tour with a full-time white guy now. so that's Yeah, we, we're actually, you know, we have a, a little bit of a production crew. Okay. So we're trying to uh, make it more and more of a show. Uh, you know, we've got like stage fog and lights. And lasers. Lasers. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'll usually do a lot of... Um, have like a, a little box full of hats and toys that I'll go through and use during the set. And um, we try to get a lot of crowd interaction and sing along kind of stuff going on. And, um, you know, we try to just um, make it really fun. You know, a lot of times in the studio we can get really serious, but the shows are fun. Right. We just, I, I, um, you know, usually, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm infamous for not using a set list, uh, but, you know, sometimes I do, and, and the songs that I choose are usually just the, the ones that make you want to jump up and down and, and, and smile, because I just, I like to see people smiling, um, so. You know, we just try to have a good time at shows, and uh, and then right after our set, what we always try to do is go straight to the merch table and have meet and greet, and meet everybody who wants to say hi to us and sign things and do pictures. <laughs> and we've got our merch girl Melinda back there, and she's. Super, super cute, and everybody always wants to say hi to her, too, and <laughs> give her all of their hard-earned money. <laughs> She's magical, I'm telling you. Right. And, um, you know, we, we just, we have a good time. And then, um, you know, in the past, we've had our VIP party after that, but this next tour, we're having it before the show. So you won't have to stay up until four in the morning to hang out with us on this tour. Right. <laughs> um, we were just going to do this, you know, like an hour before doors or so. We'll get together with our VIPs 
um, who are our patrons, basically. Yeah. Who are helping us actually make this tour happen and hang out, maybe, you know, grab some food or, you know, chill somewhere like either in the bus or in the club before doors open or wherever. But it's just really like a fun, casual hangout. Not like the, you know, shake hands, take picture, sign poster, leave kind of thing. We we really kind of hang out and try to get to know these people. And, um, yeah, I always really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things about touring is our, is our meet and greet. We have our, our general meet and greet and then our super special VIP one. And those are where all the memories happen, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I've got some just really special fans. There still are people out there who support music and who who make it a big part of their life and their being, you know? Right. And it's really cool to be able to meet those people who have so much respect for them because they're keeping it alive. Right. Yeah, and I think, I think when a band actually acknowledges that, it makes it even more special for those those fans. <laughs> I guess it goes both ways then. Yeah, it is. It it actually does because like when it it's a, you know it's, a, it's the little thing sometimes with a fan you know even if you just like retweet a tweet or something or something like that you know it does go a long way with the fans you know and and as I, I was looking on your website like the little the store on there you have just a bunch of stuff like. A uh, bunch of merchandise. It looks it looks fantastic, you know. So I really, you know, the this whole you know DIY aspect of this band is really, you know, looks really um good. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I used to make all of our merch by hand, all of it. Right. <laughs> T-shirts, everything. Um, and now you know, I obviously can't do all of it. Basically, since we started touring so heavily, um, you know, I'm not in one place very long to be able to make things. But um, I still do small batches of things, uh, you know, for the people who are who are into that. And I enjoy it. It, it allows me to have another creative outlet. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll make little trinkets and sometimes do a run of old school bleach shirts or spray paint shirts or bandanas or whatever and um you know it's it's fun it's fun for me you know what's really cool too is that our merch girl melinda is also a crafty little vixen and she's been making cute little things for the merch table too and i love it (laughs) oh wow so it's a good mixture you know um right i can't wait to meet the merch girl (laughs) Last, last for, uh, we actually went in with uh, a couple of artists on merch table stuff. Last tour was the Witches tour. It was the album release tour. Yeah. Um, and this guy, Sean Hathaway, made magic wands. And so we had these really amazing, beautiful, handmade magic wands uh, on the merch table. And, you know, we're able to support his art with that. And he's supporting us with it, and um, it's really cool. I, I kind of, I really like also working with other artists 
were inspired by the band, um, you know, and get some of their art sold as well. So it's it's really cool. I I think that I'll always probably have a handmade element. It's just kind of that's where we came from. Right. You know, in the very in the very beginning, in the early days, I just dumpster dove for materials for all of our merch. I would paint up. I, I would. I would. I would paint up tin cans and find you know discarded clothing and tear it apart and remake it and um, just anything that I could put together that was that I could call merch. You know, I would just make art out of things. And that's that's really where we came from. So. Um, you know, I think that'll always be a part of, of what we do. Right. Yeah, that's a great, that's a, just a, a great idea of just having sort of, you know, community. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really rewarding for everyone. It's, it's so rewarding for us. And then it's rewarding for the artists because, you know, I know how hard it is to sell your art. Um, and, but we have an audience for that. So now, you know, we can help and get some talented people, you know, money and recognition for their art. That's, that's really important, you know, because we have a platform for it. And, um, and the fans, they get to, they get to, um, uh, they get to find new artists to follow. Um, for example, our, our witches album, you notice the beautiful artwork, um, you know, that started out as somebody sending us fan art. Okay. And us, us thinking that was so cool that we eventually met up with him and devised that he would be our album artist. <laughs> <laughs> and we put out we put out a comic book together. Yeah. And uh, lots of t-shirts and prints and everything. And he has this whole fan base. Um, from doing all that stuff of our fans that now follow him and buy his artwork and um, and you know he's he's kind of become a part of our family. So it's always I think it's great to to collaborate and mix it up with, with different kinds of artists because man I can't draw <laughs> 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 and he's not going to sing. So you know we put that all together and. And it's really cool stuff happens that might not have existed before. So it's it's cool. Right, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for the interview. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, <laughs> shooting the shit with me. Uh, you know, do this interview. Uh, I'm really excited to come see the show. Oh, great! Yeah, just um, we'll we'll put you on the guest list as press. Um, just you know, let us know if you want to bring somebody along and, and whatever make sure Jason has that info so you're on our list at the show we really appreciate you covering um, the show and, and helping get the word out you know we, we just recently started headlining our own tours so pressure's on <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, really, it's, it's hard to get people out of their house and away from their CDs and out into the real world to, you know, to do something but right. uh, we're struggling every day to like pack the house and make you know, every show is really cool. Yeah, so you are uh, really appreciated. We really appreciate it. And, you know, for actually listening to the album and, and doing some research, right? that is really special, and that's really rare 
I know. <laughs> I know, man. I okay, I can I'll even say this is that I know a lot of music journalists, music writers most of the time don't know shit about what they're interviewing. Yeah, they're like, uh, to be honest, I was just assigned this interview with you guys, and I have no idea what you're like. Um, explain yourself. Yeah, explain <laughs> to me. Uh, I'm like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Sometimes I lie. <laughs> you do it when I don't. I'm like, oh, we're a hip-hop country trio. Um, <laughs> Believe you me, man. I I know that. We mostly play weddings and. Uh... <laughs> I know all the foolery that goes on with a lot of these writers and stuff that do these interviews. It's I, I I just for the most part don't like to associate with so many people because of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand. It's like you know, you have so much work to do. You can't spend all your time researching. I guess. I don't. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> not, Believe me, it does not take that long to get some just simple information down. It really doesn't take that long. <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh my, come on. At least just know know the name of the damn album, or at least or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it keeps us humble. <laughs> not everybody cares about what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lift us back up, you know, with your encouragement. And, um, I think that, you know, there has to be this counterbalance. Right. Of people who don't give a rat's booty. <laughs> well, <laughs> people who... <laughs> well, I'm glad. I was glad I was able to lift your spirits a little bit. Yeah, you were super cool. I can't wait to meet you. Yeah, I had a, yeah, I had a great time talking with you guys. It was, it was this this was a really fun interview. You know, I've had you know I interviewed a lot of people recently, but this was really a fun interview. Oh, great! I'm I'm so glad I enjoyed it too. Sorry, I'm a little long winded today. I don't know what has gotten into me. I think I'm just stoked that you uh, listened to the album. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. That's fine, man. It's fine. So that was an interview with Kimberly Freeman and Junior of the band One-Eyed Doll. I just cannot say enough good things about them. They're just really cool, genuine people. I highly recommend that you go uh, give them a listen, especially the new album, Witches. Hell, they have a whole back catalog of great music. Uh, you can go to oneeyeddoll.com to uh, check it all out. They have a ton of merch. Some of it they, make, they, they hand make. It's like super DIY. They're really fucking cool. And they're just... There's two nice fucking people. So yeah, that was the second episode of Fresh is the Word. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for the support. There's other ways you can support the podcast too. Uh, go to the website, freshisthepodcast.com. There's a link at the top that says support the podcast. From there, there's a PayPal link you can use if you want to shoot me some pennies. Also, if you shop on Amazon, use the Amazon link that I have on the website and Amazon will shoot me back a little commission for any purchases you make using that link. It doesn't cost you any more, but it does help support the podcast. Also, if you want to connect with us online, we're on Twitter and Instagram at FreshIsTheWord1. That's FreshIsTheWord, then the number one. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, just search uh, FreshIsTheWord, and that page will come up. Just give us a like. Then also, we're now on iTunes, so go ahead and uh, just search Fresh is the Word, and you can subscribe to the podcast, so it just automatically downloads to your devices. And we're also on Stitcher Radio, so you can go ahead and uh, search Fresh is the Word also on there. 
Again, thanks for the support. Thanks for the listens. And see you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.